There it goes, deep into center field, way, way back goes Matty Alou, and that ball is in Astro orbit. And the little dynamo, the toy cannon, now has 76 runs batted into the year. What a shot. I'm Vic Ragupathy. I'm Jacob Wessels, and today we are joined by my stepbrother, Noah Averick. Noah, how are you? I am just the best that I have ever been and ever will be. Thank you, Jacob. So today's theme is making the case. So we're each going to make a, a Hall of Fame case. I think we got two baseball players and a football player on the docket. Well hit the left field. Out of here. Home run, Bobby Abreu. And the Phillies have quickly tied this game and won. So the first official home run at Citizens Bank Park off the bat of Bobby Abreu. I'm going to make the case for Bobby Abreu. So I'll start by saying this. Uh, my parents were, you know, the first generation of our family to come to America from India. So most of my extended family is over back in India. So I only got to see my grandparents a couple times, and I would usually have to go there since I'm young and spry and they're a little older. And so a couple of times they were able to come to America. One time my dad's dad uh, came to America and saw us, and we made sure to bring him to a Phillies game when he came here because he came during the summertime. So we got out and we caught a ball game. And my grandpa came on the fateful day of a Bobby Abreu bobblehead giveaway. I don't know whether they called them Bob Dash O'Head, but they certainly could have. And immediately Bobby Abreu became his favorite Philly, his favorite baseball player, perhaps his favorite, you know, non-cricket athlete or American a- or, you know, athlete of American sports. I think it's actually kind of fitting because I think Bobby Abreu is kind of like an Indian uncle. First off, he looks the part. He looks like he could fit right into my family or any other family. He, kind of, he just looks kind of like an Indian guy. He could be my uncle. I kind of thought Bobby Abreu was Indian before I understood that baseball players did not come from India. <laughs> I don't know. If you watch Million Dollar Arm. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I can't. I'm looking at a picture of him right now because I learned from the first part of this that I have to have my Google up and typing just to make sure I'm looking at the statistics of your players. But I cannot say that Bobby Abreu looks Indian at least from the stereotypical sense of the word. I, I'm just saying, he, he, doesn't, you know, he doesn't look you know, straight off the streets of Mumbai. But if I, if I, I think if I brought him to an Indian wedding, I don't think anyone would be like, you know, asking many questions. Uh, uh, I'll get so, but here's the thing about, you know, like Indian uncles, like you'll be talking to them and, you know, they'll be full of warmth and levity and they'll be joking around about everything and their jokes will usually be kind of stupid, but they'll, you know, but they'll be laughing the whole time and they'll just be very fun, jolly people. And, you know, you'll, they seem like, you know, those kinds of like just slackers that are, are, are laughing through life all the time. And then you'll ask your mom, you'll be like, what does he do again? And they'll be like, oh, he's an astrophysicist or, you know, oh, he's a doctor or something like that. And I think that that sort of, you know, appearance belying what was actually going on is exactly the way that Bobby Abreu was. He looked like he wasn't giving any effort, you know, when in fact he was a very good fielder when he started out and his fielding sort of declined and that got pinned on him. 
he looked like he was just passive and he just wasn't swinging at anything when in reality he was very selective he had one of the best batting eyes and he was one of the most disciplined hitters in all of baseball you know he looked temperamental and moody it seemed as though he was giving everybody issues but teammates really did like him and you know managers love to strike up conversations with him and when you think about Bobby Abreu you look at two all-star berths you know you look at a gold glove a silver slugger you know not very impressive but I think he's got one of the most compelling hall of fame cases there is so you know let's talk about those two all-star games that he reached he didn't reach an all-star game until he was 30 years old in 2004 you might be thinking okay just like Alfonso Soriano late bloomer not the case I mean he broke into the big leagues uh got his first cup of coffee when he was 22 uh and then he had his rookie year after that at age 23 he came to Philly when he was 24 that year, he played 151 games, and he had an OPS above 900. No all-star berth. The next year, he got MVP votes. His OPS plus was 147. He damn near, he was five points off of OPSing 1,000. Again, played over 150 games. Nada in terms of all-star games. Next year, 970 OPS, nothing. Next year, 936. Then 934. The next year, 877. And still, no all-star bursts. This whole time, he's playing full seasons. He's not playing any less than 151 games. And he's not making the all-star team. He played for underwhelming and tantalizing Phillies teams. The first Phillies teams that I got attached to, you know, around the 2003 era, Larry Boa manager. Just teams that had all this talent, like young Jimmy Rollins, you know, before they traded Kurt Schilling, uh, they had Pat Burrell, the number one overall pick, Pat the Bat, future Hall of Famer in my mind as well. They had good pitching. They had hitters all around the diamonds. I mean, they had Scott Rowland at one point there. They, uh, you know, Marlon Bird was good. Jim Tomey was my first ever favorite player, but they never made the playoffs. They just, you know, let the Braves waltz in year after year. And it pissed me off. And Maybe the biggest victim of that was Bobby Abreu because playing for those teams, he didn't make a single all-star team until he was 30 in 2004. And he made one the next year. And then, you know, he was over 30 and he was still putting up productive seasons, but he was not the same player. He wasn't doing the same thing. He was still, he wasn't a five tool player like he used to be. So that was it. And he made those two all-star teams and that was like all the world, that was like all like the general baseball world really got to see of Bobby Abreu. He got traded from the Phillies right before they went on a string of five straight division titles. He got a chance to play in October and he did pretty well, you know, uh, when he was uh, with the Yankees after that. Um, you know, he had some good series, but still in general, people just didn't really get to see much of, of Bobby Abreu. And so it might surprise people to learn some of his stats. So let's go over some of those stats. For one thing, uh, unlike Alfonso Soriano, wins above replacement was very, very good to our friend Bobby. 60.2 career war, a 41.6 peak, seven-year peak war. 
So this is these are like borderline numbers. You know, you want your war to be in the 60s. If you're an outfielder, maybe getting up to the 70s to get you to Hall of Fame level. We're talking about seven-year peak war. You know, you want to be a six-win player for seven years. So you want around a 42. His total career war, a little low, but his seven-year peak war is right where you'd want it at just under 42. I'm using baseball reference, by the way. I, it's shocking how high his war is, you know, not to belittle Bobby Abreu, but if you look at his baseball reference page next to Alfonso Soriano's and you say, which guy had the 60 war career? No doubt in my mind you go Alfonso Soriano. Yeah. It's like it, it, Bobby Abreu just, he kind of did Chase Utley where he just did all the little things well. You know, he had very impressive seasons, but he also had a great eye. He played great defense. He was a good base runner. You know, it's just, you start to add those things up. I guess that's how it works out. Yeah, I, it's, it's, it's exactly that kind of thing. It's just an aggregate. You just put together year after year solid seasons to the point that from 1998 to 2009, here was his average season. We're talking about 12 straight years. This is his average season. He played 156 games. I think he played over 150 every single year in that stretch. His slash line, the 301 batting average, 406 on base percentage, 497 slugging. Averaged 104 runs scored, 97 RBI, 21 home runs, 39 doubles, 28 stolen bases, 103 walks. He struck out a decent bit. He struck out 122 times, but it all comes down to, over that period of time, a 133 OPS plus. We were talking with a 128 career OPS plus. So the OPS plus over that stretch, you know, a third better that, you know, 33% better than the league average. And we're talking, you know, through the heart of the steroid era, you know, 98 to 2009, we're talking about maybe not the heart, but, you know, kind of the tail end, but, you know, a lot, a lot of juiced up sluggers during this time, certainly. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's like a, you know, a basically Bobby Abreu and Mookie Betts of the same career average is, the, you know, through Mookie Betts' early career in I Bobby Abreu's prime. Yeah, what more are you looking for than a 300 batting average and 400 on base percentage? <laughs> I mean, nothing. I have a question. Yeah. Was the uh, fan voting still extremely prevalent for All-Star games back then? I'm not, I don't know the history behind it. I think so. I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm pretty sure fan voting was still a thing. I think they still voted on the starters. Yeah, he just wasn't as flashy as everyone else. Like, I'm looking at his stats because I do that now because I'm a professional podcaster. <laughs> um, welcome, welcome to the big leagues, son. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, his, his all-star years, he had 30 home runs, 40 steals, 105 RBIs. And so the next year, after everyone's expecting that, he's still like – 24 home runs, bats, what, 286 and has 102 RBIs. Like, not as great as the year before, even as good as some of his other years. But it was, like, right off that flashy season that all the fans love. They love homers. They love steals. I mean, who doesn't love dingers? But, like, that could be a definite, definite reason. The only – an issue I see, and maybe you can speak to this, his highest MVP finish was 12. Yeah. Yeah, he really he got MVP votes in um, 
seven in seven different years. But like you're saying, he was typically finishing around the teens, uh, even as low as, as the 20s sometime. There was one Fangraphs article that I was reading. Um, I think about like his 2004 season, uh, which was one of his best and which was his first all-star year. And they're like, but he did get twice as many points in all-star voting as Barry Bonds. It's like he got six points and Barry Bonds got three. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's a little more concerning the MVP votes because that's real. That's not fans. That's real baseball people voting. And I am, you know, an uneducated baseball fan who just loves home runs and just action. So, like, I remember Bobby Abreu because I'm a Phillies fan. But, like, was he sexy? No. No, he didn't do anything. But articulated in the in the All Star voting. I mean, not not the All Star voting. The MVP voting. You know, it should be. I should be wrong. Well, but the thing about MVP voting is it is also a largely team success award, mm-hmm. and so it's hard to knock Bobby Abreu for playing well on bad teams, unless you have a historically great Mike Trout level season. It is really hard to win MVP on a non playoff team. That makes and sense. And so if Bobby Abreu had the seasons he was having on the 2008 Phillies, he might, you know, be an MVP contender. Um, I mean, it is interesting that Bobby Abreu, I mean, the Phillies have a run of MVPs with, with, with uh, Howard and then Rollins, but uh, Abreu, you know, probably deserve more consideration. Yeah, I mean, you're, you mentioned that 12 is his, is his highest MVP finish. That comes at his age 35 season when he's in Anaheim with the Angels on a team that made it to the ALCS. It's one of his worst seasons, too. He just had it on a, a, you know, a good team. That yeah. Angels team, by the way, uh, random sidebar, I was watching an, uh, an old MLB Network classic uh, for Jackie Robinson Day, and it was the Angels versus the Yankees. Um, and it was, like, it was this Angels team uh, versus the Yankees with the young Robinson Cano. And I, they had just had like the oldest outfield ever. Because their outfield was Bobby Abreu in, on this day, it was Bobby Abreu in left, Tory Hunter in center, and Vlad Guerrero in right. And that is one hell of an outfield. <laughs> like, it's just like in their primes, those are three stellar baseball players, arguably all kind of Hall of Fame cases. Tory Hunter maybe a little bit less so. And like, but, Vlad Guerrero is one of the first like hall, people that got in that's like, mm, that you'd bring up. Like, but it's, it's, um, it, they were all like 36. And, and, and so it was just a, um, it was, it was a fun outfield. Cause I was just like, how the old man outfield, hopefully no one breaks their back trying to run down a fly ball. That's that what is got, like when, when Carl Malone and Gary Payton went to the late. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It was all these guys post prime in an angels out angels in the outfield. You know? That is, and that's like the perfect angels roster as well. Like that's, oh, my God. I couldn't think of a more Angels roster than three guys who used to be All-Stars who are now 35. And probably all getting paid. Like, <laughs> all getting paid massive free agent salaries. That, that is like the, the Vic Raghupathy childhood All-Stars right there. Vlad, Corey Hunter, and Bobby Abreu. All players I know, which is just astounding. To me. Plus the 2009 Angels. <laughs> The team of Sean Figgins. Yeah, there we go. 
That was like my, my first years of fantasy baseball. I was just so curious why his name was spelled like that. <laughs> hey, it was his lone all-star season. 42 steals for him. I mean, what were his parents thinking? Like, yeah. come on. World Series champion, Sean Figgins. That's, I, I know it's Sean, but I, I never say Sean. You can't say Sean. No, it's Sean. It's Sean. like Sean Green. Yeah. Remember Sean Green? He was on the Jets and the Titans running back. Yeah. Sean Green's about S-H-O-N-N-E, I think. Ooh. Like, what's think, with people in the name Sean? Sean. I think, I think there's Sean Dunstan, I'm pretty sure, was S-H-A-W-O-N. Shawan. Like Sean, it's, Sean is, is a name that you can play around with, despite the fact that um, that you probably shouldn't. So Bobby Abreu's average season for twelve years is like if if someone just like had that season, it would be it would be monster. It is, and like your average season is a three hundred uh, batting average, four hundred on base, and I think the one thing that you know. Looks it is literally Mookie Betts' 162 game average. Like, like number for number. Mookie is 301, 374, 27, 26. Yeah. Like, like, I think the one thing that, like, you know, is like, uh, I don't know if I'm, like, with that is 21 home runs. He wasn't a big home run hitter. And for someone that, you know, is, uh, you know, not a small era. guy, you know, 220 pounds, he's six feet flat, uh, but also – plays a corner outfield position you'd expect a little more power obviously he hit 40 doubles a year so he was getting extra base hits but see he just didn't try to hit home runs and I always and I think about this like every day is how would it be different how would we look at him differently if you know he was part of the launch angle revolution he needed a 35 ounce bat that was his real issue yeah and like if he, you know, if he went more for more home runs, if he took a dip in doubles, maybe and was hitting twenty five home runs a year, if he had a couple more thirty home run seasons, I mean, he had, uh, he had I think two thirty home run seasons. So I, he he was and like he was hitting twenty home runs every year. He was uh, as as good a power speed combination as as you could ask for he was 30 30 twice he had seven straight 2020 years and then he added an eighth when he was 34 years old you know he had fine power but the thing that like I think with a normal player you would say that you know what if they were part of the launch angle revolution what if this what if that but it's so much more agonizing with Bobby Abreu because this is the man that provided one of the hallmark live television experiences of my childhood and that was the 2005 home run derby were you guys watching this i mean this is a you know a well-known performance oh yeah oh yeah i mean a record-setting performance for like obviously this is before the new format of you know you just take as many hacks as you can within like three minutes and you can put up like gaudy totals like Vlad and Pete Alonso, like Vladdy Jr. and Pete Alonso did this past year. But this is the really, really hard. You get 10 outs and anything you hit that's not a home run with a swing of the bat is an out. That's so tough. Like it's just hard. And Bobby Abreu was able to hit 24 
in the first round. 24 would be an insane, 24 would be an awesome total in today's format. He was able to hit 24. This isn't Josh Hamilton we're talking about. No. He's Bobby Bray. It's a guy that hits doubles and walks. Yeah. He was a five tool player. And the 2005 home run derby, as you may remember, is in Comerica Park. Jacob, you and I took a trip to Comerica. That's a big ballpark. I've been playing uh, Comerica as my home stadium for my MLB The Show games when I've been playing online recently. And, and I like to say that the people get Comerica because it, it is so big. It is like 420 to center. It is like 430 to right center. You can hit absolute bombs at Comerica. Like off the bat, you're like, well, shit, that's a homer. And it like doesn't even reach the warning track. I mean, it is so hard. Castellanos hates Comerica. Tough, tough ballpark. I mean, you look at center field and there's like this agonizing uh, I think like the gate, the fence opens there. It's just this, this agonizing, like little extra bit of distance that just adds insult to injury. Yeah, I mean, Josh Hamilton had his crazy home run derby performance, albeit at Yankee Stadium. Yankee Stadium. Yeah, exactly. But I'm not going to discredit Josh Hamilton at all. No. He was going third deck at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, I think, one of, those, cheap shots. I think so, one of those home run no, balls was my cousin. Park adjusted home run derby metrics. You might give it to a great. Oh, yeah. Comerica, like a 10 out format at Comerica, and you're able to club 41 total, not to mention 24 in one round. Tough. Just real tough. And I will say, it wasn't your typical, I do have to note this just because I thought it was really cool. It wasn't your typical, um, you know, home run derby uh, contestants, you know, because they, like the person he beat in the final round was Pudge Rodriguez. Um, you know, it's just not, not like totally sluggers because the format that year, uh, was altered a little bit for the upcoming inaugural world baseball classic. Ah. And, and so what they did was they brought in every contestant from a different country. And so Bobby Bray was representing Venezuela. So I'd love to see that in the home run derby now. That's a great way to spice it up. That's fun. Yeah, just in general, it, it would be even better now. It, it, was, it was great then. Um, I, I'd still get flabbergasted at, you know, a 40-plus home run derby performance in Comerica. Like, this guy had real juice. This dude had power. I mean, despite the fact that he has zero statistical bearing to me, good home run derby performances automatically catapult a player on my gut for me. Like, Todd Frazier... When he won that home run derby in Cincinnati, his ranking amongst third basemen to me went up at least three or four spots. If he went from like a you know above average but not great third baseman to like one of the top players in baseball to me, and like he didn't actually do anything except for win a home run derby. But I was like, this guy's the man. And you know, I can imagine I you know I wasn't really a baseball fan until like 07, 08, so I don't remember this great home run derby except for highlights of it. But um. I'd imagine I feel the same way about Bobby Abreu after watching a performance like that. Yeah, I, I was I, I watched the highlights a couple times recently, and you know they're they're great and a, a vintage Chris Berman performance. Back 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 back. You got to say that a lot, probably <laughs> like you know probably in total, 150 backs just dedicated to Bobby Abreu. 
maybe maybe pushing 200. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, he like this dude. It, it's tantalizing because like, what if he was used that raw power a little bit more? You know, he can take a dip in in batting average. He can drop 10 points of his batting average. But you know, he gets his slugging percentage over 500. He gets his home run totals, you know, closer to to 30. Uh, and that could that could shake things up uh, way better for him. I don't know what that would do to like his his WAR numbers or stuff like that. But he retired with fewer than 300 home runs. Yeah, I mean that's like the crazy thing is that like I mean again I'm just thinking about Bobby Ray and Alfonso Soriano in conjecture now. Not only because you know they were both kind of like 30 30 guys in the same era, and because I just talked about Alfonso Soriano, but Soriano had like over 400 career home runs. And so the fact that Abreu, you know, only had 286 also shocking to me, especially if you kind of, you know, think that Abreu was twice the player Soriano was over the course of a similarly length career. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, I think now the thing that like today we value walks so highly. And so that kind of dings Soriano. We also value the long ball. I mean, chicks and analytics dig the long ball. So it uh, that kind of hurts Bobby Abreu's case, but I don't even think it should. I, mean, you know, I don't think it. I don't really. Does. He still hit twenty homers a year. I mean, I just I, I kind of think uh, when I think of a player comp for for Bobby Abreu, and this also does happen to be his number one player or number two player similarity score. Um, I, I kind of think of Bernie Williams, who I think you can also make a Hall of Fame case for. Uh, Abreu was better for maybe a little bit longer and maybe just a little bit better, but they're very similar players. Like. Um, and Bernie Williams has the World Series titles and can't get in the Hall of Fame. So, so to me, I think until Bernie Williams gets in, Abreu's going to have a harder time. Abreu's going to have a really tough time. He, he's just not a name, like, other than the Derby performance for people that didn't grow up watching the Phillies, when you say the name Bobby Abreu, and even, you know, people of a certain age or people who don't really care about the home run derby, if you say Bobby Abreu, you know, what comes to mind? It's not like he had those, you know, hop, skip hallmarks like Alfonso Soriano had. He didn't, you know, he just came out and, and played. And, you know, and the things that came out about him, you know, especially when it came to the, the Philly media were pretty negative things. He butted heads with Terry Francona. They talked about that. He hardly swung the bat. He had one of the lowest swing rates and maybe the, the third lowest swing rate, something like that, for his over the course of his career. And people were like, he doesn't swing the bat. He's just he's passive. When in reality, he was taking pitches better than pretty much anyone in the league. Yeah, I mean, I like again, just uh, Soriano. I grew up a Phillies fan, and I couldn't like tell you about what Bob what it was like to watch Bobby Abreu play. Like he is just the kind of guy who came to work every day, did his job unassumingly, and played well. I can tell you what it was like to watch Alfonso Soriano play. I remember what it felt like to watch Alfonso Soriano play. I don't feel that way about Bobby Abreu. I think that hurts him. I think to be in the Hall of Fame, you don't, you don't just need the numbers. You need them to see, mm-hmm. you know? And I think, I think the numbers guys get in eventually. The numbers guy is kind of like Larry Walker, too. I don't think Larry Walker played, had the mystique. But, but, but you know, he, especially- even he had stuff. I mean, he yeah. was this like tough Canadian guy who didn't start playing baseball seriously until his his hockey career sort of uh, vanished. And like he was like a and he had a rocket arm, you know. He got to play in in cores, so he had you know 
big towering home runs. You know, we got playoff runs with the Cardinals that were big. So can I do a quick rundown, unless you have something you want to share that's uh, major, of some things that I've learned about Bobby Bray since I started Googling him at the start of your, your, your week. Yeah, go ahead. For one, he dated former Miss Universe Alicia Machado, which was a name that jumped off the Wikipedia page to me because um, of Donald Trump um, and that Alicia Machado stuff. And it's the same Alicia Machado. So Bobby Abreu, who knew? Um, he got game um, in, more way than, in, more, in more ways than one. Yeah, I think that, I think that Bobby Abreu – um, to his credit, was the kind of guy who, you know, thought himself to be on that level even before he even reached an all, uh, even though he deserved all star games and never reached them. I think he thought himself to be on that level. For example, I was reading um, an SI story that mentioned the fact that, you know, everyone in the Phillies locker room just had the classic, you know, metal or folding chair or wood, whatever it was, just the, the folding chair that gets put in their locker. And that's what they sit at typically, but not Bobby Abreu, even as early as, as, as 2001, not Bobby Abreu. No, 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 no. Bobby Abreu got himself a Panasonic EP1010K great escape Shiatsu massage lounger. This kind of luxury. This is the kind of locker room luxury that the likes of Randy Johnson, Ken Griffey Jr., Barry Bonds are relaxing in pre and post game. Bobby Abreu, with this purchase, is obviously implicitly and perhaps explicitly putting himself on that tier. Okay, thing two. I was looking to find Bobby Abreu's nicknames on his baseball reference page, and I was introduced to a different nugget which is that baseball reference includes agent names because I read nicknames and then above, right above that it says agents, but I kind of got the two mixed up. So I thought his nickname was Peter Greenberg. And I was uh, like, that's a bizarre nickname for, for a Venezuelan man <laughs> to be Bobby Peter Greenberg of Ray. <laughs> but uh, congratulations to Pete Greenberg. He's got himself on a baseball reference page. Um, then, you know, there you go. I'm I'm never going to unsee that. It's like on baseball reference pages for dead guys where they have like their cemetery locations. I'm now never going to unsee the agents. Uh, so, so Peter Greenberg will always be my first agent sighting. That's and then to talk about the nicknames, Vic, I would imagine that you were going to talk about the nicknames. So. I mean, just great, great, great stuff. El come dulce, la leche, <laughs> sweet, sweet milk, you know, sweet food. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the El Comedul said was apparently the nickname of his father, and he began using the same nickname, and it is because they loved candy so much. It's the candy eater. I can see that. I, I can definitely see that. He, you just look at him and you, you can tell. You know, that's, that's a guy with a sweet tooth right there. Bobby O'Brien, the candy eater. It's not quite a nickname that strikes fear into the opposition. You know, it's like you've got like, you, you know, you've got, you've got the machine for Albert Pujols and you've got the candy eater for, for, for Bobby Abreu. The big hurt, the candy eater. <laughs> that, uh, that might individually hurt his Hall of Fame case. Like, just <laughs> alone, just that. <laughs> uh, I mean, Vic really, really lit up when we started talking about the sweet tooth. 
maybe that's why he picked him, just solely based off of the nickname. But that might hurt the baseball Hall of Fame case, having a nickname making him out to be that much of a teddy bear child. <laughs> also on the side with Machado. So who knows? He's like, who, care? who cares if I don't vote Bobby Abreu? What's he going to do to me? I'm so glad that Bobby Abreu lasted one year because he got just over 5% of the vote. And really, I just wanted him to stick around on the ballot because I just wanted members of the media to, to tout the Bobby Abreu Hall of Fame case because – I assume that you guys are in the same boat as me, whereas we're, like, really looking to at least have, like, our, our great Phillies teams of our childhoods almost validated in a way by getting someone in the Hall of Fame, you know, whether it's Chase Utley or whether it's Jimmy Rollins, whether it's uh, Bobby Abreu and, like, Roy Halladay, although that was certainly sweet, you know, it, he feels adopted. He's like, he's not the same. It's not the same. He's our adopted. We, we are going to have an episode in the future, just to prepare everyone out there. We go full Phillies homework and we break down the Hall of Fame case of uh, Rollins and Utley and, and perhaps Cole Havels or, or Ryan Howard or something like that. Um, thing I, will I, think, I, think, I think Utley is a Hall of Famer for sure. I know Vic thinks Rollins is a Hall of Famer. Um, I think you can make a pretty convincing case for Cole Havels uh, that, I, that I, you know, you can get into. I believe, like, I'm, I'm just looking, something I didn't actually really think about while looking at Bobby Abreu, his first All-Star year in 2004, I was six years old. Like, I, lo- I remember Bobby Abreu. His last year as a Philly, I was seven years old. Yeah. I, that's why I am questioning Vic's intense memory of the Bobby Abreu Phillies. I'm telling you, because I don't anything about anything from when I was four. Listen, it was just that I played the this 2003, like, All-Star Baseball 2000. I think the year of it was 2003, but it was, like, called 2003. Oh, yeah, like, MVP Baseball 05 was my shit. Oh, so, like, I, I played that all the time. I played with the Phillies, and I got to know the team really well. Like, I had a plaque that I have hanging up right here that, like, helped me, like, memorize the names and shit like that. And my brother was a huge sports fan, and he was six years older than I was. And so – we yeah. watched a lot of sports center. I had absorbed a lot of shit. I just remember the 2003 Phillies are the teams that, like, before that, I have no memory whatsoever. I mean, the 2000 Phillies are when things are starting to fall. I was two for most of the season. I just have a hard time believing that I can remember anything, which is why I really, you know, get nostalgic about the Pedro Feliz era, not the Placido. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, it's. You know it's, what I mean. <laughs> And like I said, I think one thing that really, like I started off with this, the one thing that really, you know, it's not like I have a lot of, a lot of memories. Like Jim Tomey was my favorite player. I don't have a lot of memories, like memories, memories of him because, you know, he was, you know, around when I was like, you're saying like two and three and stuff like that. But the thing that really hammered home Bobby Abreu that got me like really into him is that, the one time that my grandpa came to visit, he we took him to a Bobby Abreu bobblehead giveaway baseball game, and Bobby Abreu became his favorite player. So I, that was just always something that I carried with me. So Bobby yep. Abreu always had a special place in my heart. And the Hall of Fame matters, but the Hall of Fame is not, at the end of the day, what brings value from you know enjoying a baseball player. It's if they're a Hall of Famer to you, and Bobby Abreu is a Hall of Famer to you, Vic, and I think he's a Hall of Famer to all of us in Philadelphia. 
Denzel Washington said it best. Your Hall of Fame in my book. Wow. Oh, my gosh. What an amazing sentiment from you two. I just uh, want to wrap you up. 